What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sideline to Sideline for episode number 11. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jason Daly, joined by the best hair in podcasting, Travis Wells. Rav, good to be here with you tonight. Third try. Let's make it work. <laughs> we'll get there. Hey, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this show. I think that we've got a lot of good content here, and uh, this may be some of our best work. Um, so we'll, we'll try to keep this, uh, keep this ball rolling. Uh, if you're ready, we'll one of jump. us is excited. <laughs> if, you, if you're ready, we'll jump right in. Let's rock. This week in the tip-off, we're taking a look at the upcoming holiday college basketball tournaments taking place this week during the Thanksgiving week. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of run through these, uh, take a look at them and some of the teams in those tournaments, and then we're each going to pick – what we believe is going to be the best tournament must see TV. And then we're also going to pick our underrated tournament for the week. So uh, there's actually more than I remember, Rav. So there, there's <laughs> a multiplied multiplier. It's like rabbits. Yeah, they, <laughs> they are. And I'm sure this probably isn't even all of them because I noticed in some of the score updates tonight that some, uh, well, for instance, Mississippi state was playing somebody I can't remember now, but they were playing at something called the Heartland hoops classic or something like that no idea yeah. so that can't be a real thing they didn't win by much they didn't look very good no they didn't um okay so let's jump right in here i'm just going to go down the list here the uh, the first one listed is the 2k classic teams competing in the 2k classic this year actually the 2k classic's over so but i'll go ahead and list it out virginia tech st louis providence washington uh, there was the Puerto Rico tip-off, which was moved to Coastal Carolina because of the hurricane. It's over, Stay but if, <laughs> it finished up last night. But it had Appalachian State, Boise State, Illinois State, Iowa State, South Carolina, Tulsa, so many states, UTEP, and Western Michigan. The Charleston Classic, which also wrapped up yesterday, Auburn, Clemson, Dayton, Hofstra, Indiana State, Old Dominion, Ohio, and Temple. Uh, the Paradise Jam, which wrapped it up today. Uh, it was Colorado, Drake, Drexel, Houston, Liberty, Mercer, Quinnipiac, and Wake Forest. Uh, the Hall of Fame tip-off, which finished up yesterday as well. Boston College, Texas Tech, Northwestern, LaSalle, South Alabama, Maine, St. Peter's and Sacred Heart. Wow. Two (laughs) nice hardcore religious schools there. (laughs) You got to get them in. (laughs) Um, The Legends Classic uh, started today, ends tomorrow. Pretty small event. That's Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, which Oklahoma State, I have no idea what the hell they were doing with their jerseys tonight. Uh, (laughs) Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Pittsburgh. That's the Legends Classic. Wow. The yeah, the CBE Hall of Fame Classic, another little four-team event. Baylor, Creighton, UCLA, and Wisconsin. And the last I saw, I haven't seen the final, but Creighton was up on UCLA in that game tonight by I think seven or eight, and it was getting down to the wire. I think they won by twelve. Creighton did. Yes, they yeah they pulled away at the end there. <laughs> okay, the Maui Jim Maui Invitational. Uh, <laughs> has Marquette, VCU, Wichita State, California, Notre Dame, Chaminade, Michigan, and LSU. Uh, that starts to, that started today, goes through Wednesday. Uh, MGM main event, had never heard of this one. This may be a new one this year. Um, I get this. Started today, UNLV, Rice, Ole Miss, Utah, <laughs> Utah, Prairie View A&M, RIP, Steve McNair. Uh, <laughs> actually, Steve McNair may not have played there. I need to know. He did not. He played at Alcorn State. Alcorn State. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. God, we've already done it. Why are you rubbing off on me? Oh, this is ridiculous. That's shit, <laughs> that's shit you do. I need to leave that shit to you. Okay. Whew. All right, back on track. MGM main event. UNLV, Rice, Ole Miss, Utah, Prairie View, A&M, not where Steve – or what's his, what's his name? <laughs> <You just keep laughs> not, not, not where Steve McNair went. 
uh, <laughs> Eastern Kentucky, Georgia State, and Eastern Washington. Uh, the Cayman Islands Classic started today. Cincinnati, Iowa, Louisiana, which is Louisiana Lafayette, mm-hmm. Wyoming, Buffalo, South Dakota State, Richmond, and UAB. Louisiana beat Iowa tonight. It's all that interesting. Iowa's dog shit. <clears throat> yeah, they've fallen off. Um, the the Gulf Coast Showcase, which doesn't have teams listed, so Great whatever, tournament. whatever. That was supposed to be starting today. <clears throat> Cancun Challenge starts tomorrow. It's a two-day event. Evansville, Fresno State, George Mason, <laughs> Louisiana Tech, Binghamton, Cal State Northridge, Montana State, Southeast Missouri State. Good Lord. Battle for Atlantis, Villanova, Arizona, Purdue, NC State, Tennessee, SMU, Northern Iowa, and Western Kentucky. The Great Alaska Shootout starts Wednesday, goes through Saturday. Cal Poly, this is a Travis Wells tournament right here if I've ever seen one. Cal Poly, (laughs) College of Charleston, Central Michigan, Sam Houston State, your boys, Idaho, Santa Clara, Cal State Bakersfield, and Alaska Anchorage. Wait, could we charge a Carlson? (laughs) College of of Carlson? Yeah. Uh, College of Charleston isn't playing in the Charleston Classic. I think they already did that. I think it's over is why they're there. Oh, okay, good Lord. Don't they host that? Or am I, yeah, they do host it. I think I'm pretty sure it's already over. It better be. Um, man, wouldn't you be pissed if you were a facilities guy and you were hosting the Charleston Classic and your team's in Anchorage, Alaska? Um, <clears throat> I'd be glad I was in Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, the NIT season tip-off, it's uh, small this year, I guess. Um I remember it being bigger. Anyway, it starts on – that's what she said. starts on <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> yeah, it starts on <laughs> Thursday. It is Rhode Island, Seton Hall, Vanderbilt, and Virginia. Yeah, that's a Jason Daly tournament. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, Las Vegas Invitational starts Thursday as well. Hampton, Northern Arizona, Xavier – hang on a second. I think this actually started today. Hampton, Northern Arizona, Xavier, George Washington, Kansas State, Arizona State, Ryder, and UC Irvine. Ryder, I hardly know her. <laughs> the Advocare Invitational starts Thursday. Missouri State, I, I'm sorry, Missouri, St. John's, Oregon State, West Virginia, Long Beach State, Nebraska, Marist, Central Florida. The Phil Knight Invitational, which is broken up into two brackets, but I think they've got them all here together. North Carolina, Portland, Arkansas, Oklahoma, DePaul, Michigan State, Yukon, and Oregon. The Wooden Legacy, there's so many. The Wooden Legacy, St. Joseph's, Georgia, Cal State Fullerton, DePaul, they're playing in two. Harvard, St. Mary's, Washington State, San Diego State. San Diego, Emerald Coast Classic in Niceville, Florida. Jackson State, Maryland, Maryland Eastern Shore, Omaha, New Mexico State, I'm sorry, New Mexico, St. Bonaventure, second time I've done that, TCU, Tennessee Tech. Finally, the Jimmy V Classic is actually the first week of December, first full week of December. That is Gonzaga, Syracuse, UConn, and Villanova. So, would you like to pick your tournament that you think is the best this year, and what what is your underrated tournament? Yeah, um, I think we're going to end up having the best tournament. I think we're going to pick the same one, but okay. you got your we got see, and this is interesting because we got our classic ones. You got your your Jimmy V, you got your Maui. Just your give, hey, just give me your just give me your best, and then we'll we'll bounce back okay. and forth. All right. Uh, my best, and there's two reasons this is my best. My best is Battle for Atlantis. There's three reasons mm-hmm. it's my best. Uh, one, I like the teams. I think every team mm-hmm. in this is competitive, except for maybe Purdue, but you never know what you're getting out of them. Um, I like SMU this year. I like <clears> Tennessee's <throat> squad. Uh, Western's fun because they play three guys, and they're also playing in a ballroom. So it's everything I like. It, that doesn't make sense. It's random teams. 
the the crowds lit weirdly and like LED blue lights. It's a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> it's very it's very uh Bahamian, I guess is the word. It's basically what they're going for. It is. I cannot believe do we know for a fact that they still play in a ballroom? They have to, right? Isn't that the whole point? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Well, was when we will say, okay, when Kentucky went, Billy Clyde was the coach, so I'm not sure if they were supposed to play in the ballroom or if he was just pissed drunk and we ended up in a ballroom. <laughs> and then they had to move the court in there because they couldn't yeah, convince him otherwise. Yeah, he's like, no, it's here, I swear. <laughs> this is where we taped the lines. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yes, I agree. My I think the best tournament is the uh, the battle for Atlantis. It's by far the best field. Um, you know, you've got um, – probably two national title contenders uh in that field for sure and you mm-hmm. might you you might have you might have let's see one two three four five six seven eight you might have six no let me take the back you might have five sweet 16 teams in that tournament yeah possibly yeah, so, for sure um so i think that's a great i think that's a great field it's going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch i like arizona to win the whole, to win that tournament, um, I'd agree. Yeah, I think they just they're just loaded with talent, but yeah. um, nobody doesn't have know. a big guy to to really stop them. Um, yeah, Villanova Purdue is an interesting game. That's assuming Nova beats Western Kentucky, though. Oh yeah, that's assuming. I think Purdue <laughs> might be my sleeper in that tournament. Possibly. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that the t- the Tennessee won't win because Rick Barnes is their coach. He'll find a way to blow it. <laughs> He will. Better coach, Rick Stansbury or Rick Barnes? Uh, trash can. <laughs> yes. Answer, trash uh-huh. can. I answer, I would say Rick Barnes only because he coached Kevin Durant once. <laughs> that has to count for something. <laughs> yeah, true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so what is your underrated tournament this year? You called it Great Alaska Shootout. No, <laughs> oh, I knew it. I knew it. I love it so much. Um I don't even know where to start, how much I love it. First of all, you never get to see Alaska Anchorage play, so that's, that's part of the reason I like it. And then I get to see Santa Clara. Um, I always like watching the random California team. So CSU Bakersfield actually has a guy that uh, played high school basketball um, near where I work now, and he's averaging like 20 a game there. So that's kind of a draw for me. But, um, you know, it's always fun to watch these teams because you know every one of these teams mm-hmm. has one dude that they're going to go to at the end of the shot clock, and they might be six for eighteen. But if you watch, if you watch the feed, that Astros are going to talk about how that guy could play, you know, high major D one. He was overlooked. Every one of those teams is going to have one of those guys. It's going to be ridiculous. Yes, uh, I, I wanted to pick the Great Alaska Shootout so bad because I love that. That's that's a close second for me for most underrated because I love the Great Alaska Shootout. It might be my favorite holiday tournament. Yeah. And I remember when the Great Alaska Shootout was a big deal. So mm-hmm. uh, I remember there was one year Michigan State played in it, and they were playing at like midnight, maybe two in the morning, and they're playing. I don't even know. It may have been Alaska Anchorage, but you know the Great Alaska Shootout used to be a big deal. I think the, I know the Cats have been there before. I'm almost yeah. certain. Uh, you know, it used to be a big deal to go to the Great Alaska Shootout, and uh, it's really taking a step back um you know in the last decade or so i would say and it's more like a mid-major type of event yeah it's uh, uh that's how duke found trajan langdon oh really no i don't know <laughs> just, just throwing that out there huh? i'm just throwing it out there um i have i have legitimately though i have heard that this might be the last year of that tournament really yeah some guys around here there so like old miss is in the um whatever it was, Puerto Rico blow me tip off, something like that. And um, <laughs> uh-huh. One of the guys on the staff was talking about how that might be the last year of this because it costs so much money and, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a small school and everybody's got to travel all the way to Alaska. You pay your own expense. It's just, you know, financially it might be going downhill, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. So did you know this? I, I feel like I, I knew this, but I'd forgotten it. And then I got reminded of it. So did you know that the con- – I, th- I think that the conferences – conference offices host these various tournaments. So, for instance, Conference USA hosts 
the battle for Atlantis this year, which means they get an automatic bid into the tournament, which they chose as WKU this year. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That seems like an um, easy way to not have to worry about running the tournament. <laughs> Correct. So uh, at, uh, CUSA is running the battle for Atlantis, like I mentioned, and they picked WKU to represent them um, in, in the tournament. So, um, But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So when you look to these tournaments now, you, you're sitting there trying to pick out like who you think the host conference is and who they pick to be the representative. Um, so my underrated tournament is the Cancun challenge. Um, I really like the field. I think it's not, you know, it's a very, it's a entirely mid major field. Um, I really, really enjoy it. They've got Evansville in there. Uh, George Mason in there. He played in Louisville tough. Louisiana Tech, who's typically get really good in Conference USA, they'll probably have a decent year. Um, I think Binghamton was in the tournament, maybe not last year, but the year before. Can't remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cal State Northridge, there's one of your directional California State schools. <laughs> and then uh, um, Fresno State, I left them out. So I, I, I really like that uh, that tournament. I think that's the mo- one of the most underrated ones this year. It really intrigues me. I hope some of it is on TV so I can catch it. Uh, but uh, with that said, uh, if you if you don't have anything to say about my Cancun Challenge or yes or no. I'd like to go to it. Around the association this week, we are taking a look at the top 10 trade assets available in the NBA uh, that are realistically available, I should say. So uh, we're going to take a look at this uh, this top 10 list here, and we're going to just give some of our thoughts on these. So uh, I'll, I'll jump right in here. Number 10, and this article was put out by Bleacher Report, so uh, – Number 10, they have listed as Amir Johnson from the 76ers. Uh, Amir is 30 years old. He's currently averaging four and a half points a game, four and a half rebounds, almost an assist, half of a steal, half of a block, shooting 47%. His contract is expiring this year. He's paid $11 million a year, and they believe that he is traded if Philadelphia wants to take back more a more expensive impact player um to uh and they're saying next summer's cap space be damned so uh number 10 uh, what do you think about uh Amir Johnson uh being a top 10 trade asset in the league well when they signed him when Philly signed him on the offseason I took it as they're only signing him as a trade asset at some point in the season cuz you know how you get Deeper in the year, you might run into somebody that they're just not getting along with the team anymore. They can flip him. His contract's big enough that you can probably get a mid-level player that can be a little bit more of an impact for you, especially if you're Philly, you're trying to make a playoff push. Let's say Embiid survives you know, into January. You want to add a, a four or five off the bench, um, maybe a little bit more experienced than Rashawn Holmes or Sarge than he has a perfect kind of contract that you can flip for somebody with some experience and you can get a guy like a, like a Taj Gibson maybe, or a, I don't really have a good example. Maybe the Bulls try to send Miritich there for him. Just, and then, you know, you, you can dump somebody that that's off of your team and take Amir Johnson back. You know, you're, he's off your books at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's a smart move for Philly to sign him. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, Especially when you look at it that way, you know, just having him as a trade chip, you know that somebody will take on that one year, you know, that expiring contract to, um, to, to be a kind of a trade piece to get something bigger. So that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe you take a bad contract and a pick or something. I don't know. There's something you can get out of them. Right. Right. Uh, number nine is Emmanuel Moutier from the Nuggets. Uh, Emmanuel is 21 years old. He is averaging 12 points, three rebounds, three and a half assists, half a steal, hmm. zero blocks, and shooting 42.5% this year. 
Moutier's contract sits at two years remaining, $7.7 million, and he's eligible for a qualifying offer in summer of 2019. Uh, Bleacher Report believes that he is traded if Denver feels the urgency to upgrade point guard or the wing rotation. What do you think Mm -hmm. about Moutier being the number nine trade asset uh, in the league? I I mean, they start Jamal Murray at point anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to see them taking a point guard and then moving Murray to the two and then Kerry Harris. I I see what they're saying, but I just don't know. Moutier seems like a type of guy. He seems to change change the scenery like Russell did, like D'Angelo Russell did. I don't – it just hasn't worked there for whatever reason. I don't know where he could go to help him. Um, Yeah. You know – I would have thought even fun in Milwaukee because then he could really just concentrate on what he's good at, which is defense and and passing the ball. I don't have to worry about scoring. But obviously yeah. they made they made their their bed with with Bledsoe. Um, I don't know what you get for him though. What is he worth? That's a good question. Um, you know, because like you said, Jamal Murray has taken over not only as their point guard, but in a way their number one scoring option. So his usage is way up. So in you know they're they're also playing him and Gary Harris together, and I don't I don't know so I I don't really know what value that leaves for him. Number yeah. one in De- number one in Denver, but number two, like you said, if you tr- if you traded Moutier today, what do you think you get? A second round pick, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna guess second round pick and Amir Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> second round pick Amir Johnson done. <laughs> Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that he's developed his shot um, from three, so he doesn't, ha- he hasn't added that to his game yeah. yet. It um, looks better. It's just not going in. It look, it doesn't look like he's kicking the ball anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they made a note. Hey, one thing I did want to note real quick before we go to the next one: uh, the the Phoenix Suns in context must be kicking themselves after not pursuing an Eric Bledsoe for Moutier and filler swap, uh, over the summer. Why? Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting tidbit there. I don't really know why they, they feel that way. Cause they didn't they think it's worse. He's better than Monroe and whatever else they got. I don't know if I agree with that. To me, it's not so, the same. They, so Bleacher Report thinks that Moutier has quite a bit of value apparently. So they think that, uh, they should pair him with some sal with some salary um, dump and secure a, a, a noticeable upgrade. So that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what the market is out there for that for him. Like I said, I, I don't know. That would that's stupid. Yeah, that would that would surprise me. So here's where it starts to get good. Number eight, DeAndre Jordan from the Clippers. DeAndre is 29. He's averaging 10 points, 14 rebounds, and assists, half a steal, a little over one block, and he's shooting 63% from the field this year. He's got two years – yeah, 63% nuts. He's got two years left on his deal at $46.8 million, and he has a player option for next season. Um, they believe that the Clippers will trade him if they don't want to pay for his next contract. Um, with him having that player option. So what do you think about DeAndre as the number eight um, trade asset in the league? It's interesting. I didn't think they should have signed him anyway. I thought they should have let him go to Dallas. Um, You can get that type of player much cheaper than what you're getting DeAndre for. I mean, Nerlens Noel, Mm -hmm. Clint Capella, they're the same type of player. Um, I mean – if I'm the Clippers, I'd definitely try to move him because then you could play Blake as a small ball five. You can just run out there like that anyway because you're not going to win the title. So at least be fun. Think about that. I mean, you got Blake playing the five. He's one of the best passing big men in the league. He's got a three-point shot now, so he's spreading the floor. Um, then you, you put uh, Milos when he comes back. So all of a sudden you're having a fun team, uh, whatever you get back for Jordan. I mean, because somebody will buy into him um, and, and – give you a little bit more than they probably should, I think. Um, I thought Jordan was better at defense than his numbers suggest. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, I mean, he's just a big, strong, athletic guy who jumps. I mean, you would think – I mean, it's. I was, I'm surprised, honestly, that it, he only averaged half a steal a game. Yeah, you think Not it more. would be like two or three blocks – 
two and a half yeah. blocks and two steals or something like that. Steal and yeah. a half. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I, I am pretty surprised by that as well. But, you know, I guess, you know, he's he's always kind of been what he is. And his game, he his game has not evolved uh, no. as he's been as he's been in the league. Would you say? Like, he's always been the same kind of player. He's not necessarily added anything to his repertoire. No, yeah, he's, he's a super athletic, tall guy. That's what he does. He does it well. Yes. He's, I mean, he does it really well. But he hasn't ever added a, a hook shot or a jump shot or a free throw or a block. Um, but I think he's really changed his hair, too. <laughs> well, that's important. You're right. Uh, number seven is your boy, DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus is 27. He's averaging 27 points a game, 13 rebounds, five and a half assists, almost two steals, one and a half blocks, 46% shooting. Yeah. He's an he's he's an elite player for sure. His contract he's in the last year of his contract uh, at eighteen million dollars. Uh, they believe that New Orleans will trade him if they fall out of the playoff picture and gets the sense that he's not going to come back next year. So, so I would, and so they're going to trade him because I'd say both of those are very likely. What do you think? Oh yeah, um, Porter Marcus. Um, he just wants somebody to love him. I. Mm-hmm. For his sake, I hope he gets moved to a coach that actually knows how to coach. Um, if there's a way for him to play for Brad Stevens, that would be great, or a way for him to play for Pop, that'd be great. He needs somebody that can, I think, that can challenge him intellectually on the basketball court, not necessarily off the court, but um, you know, kind of like what Kyrie talked about, he's ready to have a coach that can actually bring something to the table. Um, he's never really had that. Not that David Yeager is a bad coach or Mike Malone's a bad coach per se. Um, he just never had a good fit, and that that's going to change his trade value because if I'm a GM, even if I think I have the coach that's a perfect fit, um, I'm not telling New Orleans that. and I'm going to try to use his attitude and the fear of not having the right fit to, to lowball them, and I think it's going to be difficult for them to get value. I mean, I mean, it's hard to get value anyway when you're trading a superstar, but right. especially somebody with a temperament issue. Yeah. Yeah, I think. What do you think about the idea that Demarcus needs a? This is going to sound bad. Demarcus needs somebody that is his coach that is more of a mentor or a father figure than a coach. What do you think you about mean, that? You mean like Coach Cal? Yes. I mean that's why he played. That's why he likes Cal so much because Cal treats him like a like his son, basically, like he does all of his players. He he's a player's mm-hmm. coach. That's what he needs. He needs. He needs a guy that is not necessarily going to hold his hand, but that's going to listen to him, that's going to under, try to understand him personally. That's mm-hmm. how you get the most out of him, I think. I definitely agree. I think that's the type of guy he needs. Maybe that's Pop. I don't know. Who are, who are the guys like that in the league? You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. Um, not Fred Hoiberg. Um, <laughs> no, not Fred. What about – you know who I was thinking about earlier today was you think Frank Vogel could do it? You just swapped him with Vucevic. He just popped in my head. Yeah, um, I think I think he could. I think because if you're, I don't know if you're if you if you know he's walking, mm-hmm. you call the Magic and they're like, okay, we'll give you Vucevic and like Hazonia. I think you take that. I mean, you're not going to do better. No, you yeah, you definitely have to take that. If you get two, well, you get a young, probably top fifteen center in the league, and you get a young prospect. I mean, you would have to do that. I just – it's just going to be hard for them to get something for him. I mean, I think the Kings did about as well as you could have hoped to have done considering the baggage. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like, like you saw with the with the Suns when people know that your hands are tied. You know, it's hard to get value. Yeah. Uh, number six is Garan Dragic from the Heat. Garan is 31 years old. He's averaging 18 points. Four rebounds, almost five assists, one steal, zero blocks, shooting 46% on the season. He has three years and $54.3 million left on his contract. He has a player option in the summer of 2019. And they believe that, that Miami will trade him if they decide to bail on mediocrity. <laughs> so uh, what do you think about Garan's the number six trade asset in the league? When, 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 why would Miami try to bail on that? 
especially last year in the second half when they reeled, reeled off like 20 wins in a row. <laughs> it's surprising to me he's on this list. I don't know. I I kind of get I kind of get that a little bit, you know, I I think you and I've talked about before on the show how it may have been Cuban who said that there's three places to be in the league and one of them and two of them are bad. One of them is uh well, sorry. But there's three places yeah, three places to be in the league. One is in contention. Uh, one is rebuilding and the other is toiling and mediocrity and toiling and mediocrity is the worst place to be in the league. Um, and you know, that's kind of where Miami is. So I, yeah. I, I could, I could see that, but at the same time, what are you going to get for a 31 year old point guard that has $54 million left on his contract? I, I don't and know. I'm not, and I'm not saying Mike James is as good as Dragic. Obviously he's not, but, the fact mm-hmm. that you can find a Mike James somewhere who's a serviceable point guard, it's kind of like why would I trade for Dragic, who's making fifty million over three years? And I don't think that I don't think Miami's that far away from being a contender. Um, you know, Richardson is good off the bench. I like Richardson a lot. They found a they found a hidden gem in Magruder. Um, James mm-hmm. Johnson has come alive there. Um, so is Waiters. You know, it wasn't too long ago we were talking about how Winslow was a steal of the draft and then he hurt his shoulder. Well, you know, a lot of guys, it takes them a year to come back from an injury like that just from a confidence level. He lost a year of reps. I mean, I know he's 31. Why do it this year? Wait till next year, see if what you've built is, is going to congeal and be more competitive. And then he's not only is he, I know he's a year older, but at that point, you're a year further down on the contract. It's easier to move sure. at that point. I just sure. think it's – let's pump the brakes on Miami. Uh, it's it's Pat Riley. It's hard for me to count them out. But as a GM, I would be afraid to take somebody from Miami because, as you know, the way they train their, their athletes, it's completely different than a lot of teams do. I mean, it's – they they put an emphasis on being in the best personal shape of your life. So if you're not going to have that same training regimen and you're going to bring them over, I think you're kind of – you could, you're setting yourself up for a, a lapse in production. Sure. Number five is Jamal Murray from the Nuggets. Jamal is 20 years old, averaging 14 points, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, almost a steal, zero blocks, 43.5% shooting. He has three years and $11.5 million left on his contract, and he's up for a qualifying offer in the summer of 2020. Uh, they believed. Denver trades Jamal if they really feel urgency to upgrade the point guard or the wing uh, position. So this is uh, man. So they have him and Moutier on there. So they, that's, that's strange. That, that is that's interesting. What do you think about that? I, why would you do that? Um, you're gonna trade the guy with the highest usage rate. If I'm another team, yeah. though, I'd be very excited if they wanted to trade Murray because, as you know, in the league, a guy that can create his own shot or create shots for other people is really indispensable in a lot of ways. Um, although he might just be a younger Jamal Crawford. We'll, we'll see how that turns out. Um, maybe can you, can you package them together? <laughs> maybe. Uh, that, I mean, then, then there's probably a market for that. Right. You know, there has a, to be a guy who really should probably play shooting guard and then possibly mm-hmm. a pass first point guard. I mean, there's definitely more of a market for that kind of package. I mean, I don't know what you yeah, get. I think, Maybe you, you trade him for Ron Dragic. <laughs> I like that. It's kind of fun. <laughs> um, I, Denver's issue. Okay, granted, point guard is an issue for them. I get that. It's but to me, it's their second biggest issue. Denver's biggest issue is the fact that they can't play defense, and they they built the team around a center who can't play defense. Yes, they. It's hard. I think in the league, it's hard to build your team around a center. Number one, you got to be really good at it. Number yeah. two, number two, their point guard is their center, and number three, yes. number three, their center is not good at defense, like you said. Yeah, this is fantastic. They've don't get me wrong, love love Jokic, love to have him on my team. Oh yeah, I just I don't I think he's, I just don't think he can be. Maybe he's a four. Maybe he's not really a five. Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you maybe you get a guy. I don't know. Maybe you get a guy like. You trade you trade those two. I don't know. You maybe you trade Murray and Moutier for a lottery pick, and you draft 
you know, Muhammad Bamba and play him at the five and Jokic at the four next year. I don't know. Just yeah, don't. you trade you trade something. Somebody has a point guard you can find, mm-hmm. and you do something with it. Like you said, you're not really running them through the point anyway. It's kind of like what the Knicks do where, you know, Frank brings the ball up the court, but they're running everything through Porzingis. Right, right. Uh, number four. Whoops, number four on the list is Kelly Oubre from the Wizards. Kelly is 21 years old, averages almost 11 points a game, five and a half rebounds, almost an assist. A steal, half a block, 40% from the field. He has two years and $5.3 million left on his contract. He's up for a qualifying offer in 2019. Bleacher Report believes that Washington trades him if they want to lop off uh, Jan Mahimi's contract or if they need a sweetener and a deal for another star. So what do you think about uh, Kelly Oubre, number four trade asset? They also have the most points per possession when he's on the on the court with Morris and, Drag- and uh, Dragic and uh, Gortat, Beal, and Wall. So why would, you, why would you break that up? That's really interesting. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, offensively and defensively, when he's on the court, they're outscoring people by 20 points. That's, like uh, he's been, he's made the leap. Finally, they're getting what they thought they were drafting. Right. He, Don't trade him. He's cheap right now. What are you doing? <laughs> right. It's like, how can you argue with that? Number one, and then number two, you know, not you got to have role players, right? Allegedly. So I mean, Wall, Bill, those are your, you know, there's your superstar. There's your kind of star. You know, there's your star, and then yeah. you know you gotta have some role players. You gotta you have you have your uh, prospect and Porter basically, who could be a star. Maybe I don't mm-hmm. know. Oh, I I don't know if I agree with that one. Uh, then you're basically you're playing positionless basketball with a three and the four when they're both on the court. Correct. I don't know. I think that's why would you do that anyway? Whatever. Oh, I have a bold proclamation about Kelly Oubre. Okay, um, let's hear it. Just based on the way he looks. He's either gay or bisexual. Just look at him. <laughs> how <laughs> how long before he comes out? Maybe never. I don't think he could disappoint Bill Self like that. <laughs> Number three is Brandon Ingram from the Lakers. Brandon is 20 years old, averaging almost 15 points a game, five and a half rebounds, almost three assists, one steal, almost a block, 44 and a half percent from the field this year. He has three years and $18.6 million left on his contract. He's up for a qualifying offer in 2020. They believe the Lakers trade him if they're desperate enough to clear dual max slots for uh, Paul George and LeBron James. What do you think about that? Please sit in the Sacramento. Um, remember when people thought that he was better than uh... – Ben Simmons. That's hilarious now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not bad. No, I like Ben Simmons, actually. It's not Ben Simmons, Jesus. Uh, who is it? Brandon Inger, whatever his name is. <laughs> I mean, if I'm the Lakers and I want to clear space for LeBron and Paul George, I'm trying to find a way to do it. Keep Brandon Ingram. I'm not trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Like, arguably, he's their second best young player, arguably their best young player. It depends on how you want to look at it. It's either him or Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know what Randall is at this point. Randall's going to eat boards and dunk on people. Um, we don't know what Lonzo's going to be yet. He's, he's too up or down. Um, and at the end of the games, he gets the ball. So you, I don't know. I don't understand the – what do you mean by the most trade value here? I don't understand this list. Is it – most likely to be trade or most trade value. If you do the most trade value, you could just put the top 10 players in the league on the list because they're obviously going to have the most value. Right, yeah. And I think they're basing this off realistic – that are players that are realistically available. Um, I, I, mean, I just don't it, see them, that happening with Ingram. Well, it's hard, to, it's hard for me to believe because I don't see them getting Paul George and LeBron James. So, therefore, I don't <laughs> – That's fair. <laughs> so, therefore, I don't see them trading Brandon Ingram. But that's just me. I don't see both of those guys going to L.A. I see Paul George. I don't know about LeBron. I mean, maybe. But – He gets bored. If I'm LeBron, I mean, it, that's his problem. He gets bored. But if I'm LeBron, I mean, at what point do you just stop? Like you just say, okay, I'm going to finish my career somewhere, and you know it is what it is. I don't know. 
anyway. I don't know if he knows how to do that. Although the other day he did say his only goal is to shoot over like 80% from the line. He's done everything else in his career, which made it sound like he's okay with, with finishing in Cleveland. Like he's done chasing everything, but that's hard to imagine. It's LeBron. I agree. Number two is Chris Middleton from the Bucks. Chris is 26 years old. He's averaging 19 points, five and a half rebounds, almost five assists, a little over a steal, zero blocks, 44.5% shooting from the field. He has three years and $40.1 million left on his contract. He is up for a player option in the summer of 2019. They believe that Milwaukee trades him if they're worried enough about ducking the luxury tax while also giving a new contract to Jabari, to Jabari Parker. What do you think about uh, Chris Middleton? Trade Chris asset? Middleton is uh, West Matthews 2.0. Um, love Chris Middleton. Hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Out of all the guys on the list, he seems like the most likely I could see Milwaukee doing that. Milwaukee is just their ownership's a disaster. Um, I mean, I would I would keep him. That's what I would do. But I could see why you'd want to flip him. I'd be more inclined to trade Jabari though, just because he's hurt all the time. I'd I'd be willing to get out from under that asset. But um, Middleton, I could, I could see that theoretically. Um, they're crazy enough to do it. I don't know what you get back though. I don't either. There, but. There, uh, there's a couple of interesting little things in here. They're talking about how um, that they they're going to have 125 million dollars committed to the bottom line um, going into next year, um, and then still having to pay Jabari Parker. So um, <clears throat> it's it sounds like they're going to probably have to get rid of him. Um, to be able to keep kind of the core together, so you're gonna have to pick him or Jabari, and yeah, yeah, I think it's easier to find somebody that resembles Middleton than it is Jabari. I agree. That's a great point. <clears throat> Number one on the list is Kimba Walker from the Hornets. Kimba or Kimber is 27 years old. He's averaging 23 and a half points, three and a half rebounds, six and a half assists. Almost a steal, zero blocks, 45.5% shooting. He has two years and $24 million left on his deal. Hard to believe that guy's only getting paid $12 million. <laughs> um, they believe Charlotte trades Kimba if they hover outside the playoff picture long enough to initiate a full-fledged reboot. What do you think about that? Logical. I really like Kimba. But, yeah, you could flip him for some young assets and then you just let – uh, Malik Monk run with it and just see what you got and let him run up and down the court and let Gilchrist play around and transition. Um, but see, it would be weird though to move him because you made a you made a quasi sort of step into trying to be legitimate by giving Batum that kind of a contract and trading for Dwight. It seems weird to just throw all that away um, and just trade your best player. But again, what do I know? Yeah, how, do we know how many years Dwight has on his contract? Uh, whatever it is, is too many to have. <laughs> I agree. Um, I was. I think say, it's I like, like I think it's two. Two. Uh, I was going to say I feel like Charlotte is maybe one of those teams that is is borderline on a reboot. I mean, you know, Dwight's getting older. Kimba, obviously, some point at some point you got to pull the trigger. Um, yeah. By the way, those throwbacks they wore the other night were sick. The Hornets? Yes. I have not seen them. They were wore, they... like, Alonzo Morning throwback uniforms. Oh, my God. I might have to look They're... them up. <laughs> God, they are clean. Moving on to the College Corner, Rav, this week we're going to take a look at a couple of different topics. First up is uh, an article from The Ringer uh, where they look at the best prospects in college basketball and they kind of break it down by age. Uh, so I'm going to – we'll kind of run through this and, and we, we may touch on a little bit as we go here. So uh, they start with the freshman class and they have – that includes DeAndre Ayton, uh, center from Arizona, 
And Marvin Bagley from Duke, a center. Mohamed Bamba, a center from Texas. Michael Porter Jr., a forward from Missouri. And they believe that those guys make up the top. Uh, those four guys and uh, Luka Doncic uh, make up the top five picks in the NBA draft. Um, so any, anything stick out to you about those those five guys and who you might think uh, go first overall there from that group? I think Doncic is the number one pick. He's just more polished than everybody. And the mm-hmm. fact that the Kings are 4-12, and 12, I mean, I'm like full staff that they're going to get one of these guys. Um, I am a little bit worried about Michael Porter or – we gonna get? Mm-hmm. Are we starting to get towards the Kyrie Irving and Duke territory? Like he's out, he's missing his third game with a hip injury. We don't know how bad it is. He's going to see a specialist. It's just you know, from a selfish point of view, I just want to see him play. It's just fun to watch guys like him play in college. He he's a mystery right now. He hasn't played. I guess what he played like two or three minutes in their opener, but beyond that, yeah. he's a mystery. He's he's maybe the biggest mystery in college basketball right now, and. Nobody really knows what to uh, what they're going to get out of him. Yeah, exactly. And the other guys, like I think, I think Aiton is really good at Arizona, and Bamba just there's something about Bamba that feels like it's not going to work out, and I don't know why. There's something about him that makes me unsure about him. Yes, they compare. I, I don't know him, what it is. They compare him to Rudy Gobert, and I think that's what it is because when Rudy got drafted out of France. He was so raw. He they literally drafted him because he was a because of his measurements and he was a big guy and he was smart. So um I think that you mm-hmm. you probably take Mohammed Bamba on potential only and that's why uh he is a scary prospect. I have not seen DeAndre Ayton from Arizona play yet, but I am very interested to see him play probably this week in the battle for Atlantis because apparently the guy is seven foot one. He has a seven foot six inch wingspan and he <laughs> reportedly has a forty three and a half inch vertical at seven feet one. Yeah, I want he's to an see, alien. I want to see what that looks like. And apparently he can shoot a little bit. So I mean He has good touch. Golly. I want to see this kid play. He's like um, he's Towns, but if Towns is athletic. And that's the Towns isn't athletic, but like bouncy athletic. Right. Sure. Uh, so the next group here, they're calling it the two and Duns, and that includes Miles Bridges from Michigan State, Robert Williams from Texas A&M, who is a center power forward, Bridges is a forward, uh, and then Bruce Brown um, from I don't Miami. know who Bruce Brown is. Exactly. Bruce Brown from Miami, Florida. You already said it. Bruce Brown is the one guy I have not heard of on this list, but apparently Bruce is a baller. He's six foot five, thick frame, long wingspan, physical attributes, tough-minded. So he's Cinderius Thornwell uh, Great. at Miami, Florida. Um, what do you think about the other two guys, though? Miles Bridges, Robert Williams as the two and duns. Oh, I love them. Um, it, my, my hopes for the Kings are that we end up with Bridges, Porter, or Donchitz. I, I would love – or and I could settle for Aiden. Um, and by subtle, I mean, I'd be fine with it. Um, Bridges is fun. He's a lot more composed this year. Last year, he was just like, he was like a deer running out of walk. Like, he just was everywhere and just out of control. And this year, especially against Duke, he looked like the player that we thought he could be. And also, he tries to uh, break the backboard whenever he dunks, and I'm always in favor of that. Of course. Um, what do you like? Do you like Robert Williams? I love Robert Williams. Um, yeah. I think I talked to you about him last year. Uh, it may have been when they, it may have been during the Kentucky game, maybe a different game, but I told you that I thought the kid was legit. And, uh, I mean, he, he can run the floor well, he can shoot it a little bit in the mid range. He's athletic. He blocks shots. He rips, tries to rip the rim off. He, he posterized, he killed a guy tonight from Oklahoma state. I don't know if you saw him kill that guy from Oklahoma state. I did not. I heard that there was a dunk of the year candidate. I guess that's it. Yeah, he he yeah, the kid, you know, uh RIP, we send our condolences to his family and friends. He's he is no longer with us. He killed him. <laughs> he put him in a I, box. I think I love Miles Bridges. You know this. We've already talked about this on this show. I think Miles Bridges is the player my player of the year in college basketball. Talking about NBA prospects, 
of everybody on this list, I think that Robert Williams is my sleeper candidate for biggest impact at the next level. I think that Robert Williams is a potential he's he's probably a, I don't know, he's a lottery pick, but he yes. is potentially I don't know, potentially maybe a top 8 depending on what kind of season he has. So he I think he's, that's fair. He's definitely my sleeper, Robert Williams, out of this whole whole crew here. When he goes to the combine, people are going to freak out. Oh my god, he's a freak! I love to watch especially, him play. Especially if he goes and starts hitting mid range jumpers and he hits, I don't know, twenty out of thirty, they're going to be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, absolutely. It's not uh, a freak out and draft him. I love to watch him play. Uh, so then they have a group called the Unheralded. So they they're calling this surprise prospects who catapult themselves from second round into the first round. So they have two guys like that and. The first guy's name is Rui Hachimura. Never heard not, of him. That's not real. He's he's made up. It's like Dick Luber from 2K8 College Hoops. <laughs> Peter Jerkin. <laughs> Peter Jerkin. <laughs> uh, Rui Hachimura is a sophomore forward at Gonzaga. He is uh, a Japanese-born uh, player, and he's a six-foot. Yeah. He's a six-foot-eight. Uh, Ford with a long wingspan, solid athleticism. Um, they say he's tailor made for what is the new fad of positionless basketball. The other guy, go ahead. He's like the second tallest guy in China. It's him and Yao Ming, right? <laughs> yes. I don't uh, understand. How have I never heard of this guy? I've watched Zaga play all last year. I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait to see him play now to see Rui Hachimura, the last samurai. Um, <laughs> I hope he makes it to the league so I can call him the last samurai. Anyway, please let him have a bun haircut. Um, oh, God, yes. That would be incredible. Anyway, the next guy in the unheralded group is Jared Vanderbilt, who we have not seen play yet at the college level. He's a freshman forward at Kentucky. You and I talked about this the other day. They're comparing him to Rondé Hollis Jefferson in that he's a hard-nosed rebounder and a versatile defender who can handle the rock and make plays in the open floor. Uh, any any thoughts on that or Rui Hey, Hachimura? Jefferson could not dribble in college, for the right. love of God. All he could do was jump and be athletic and be six foot seven. Vanderbilt can at least dribble, and I think he has a better touch than, than Jefferson, but we've been over this before. He's Lamar Odom without cocaine. <laughs> that's already a good start for him. Yeah. You got to stay off that booger sugar. <laughs> uh, then the last group here are the seniors, and that includes Grayson Allen, a guard from Duke, Vince Edwards, a Ford from Purdue, and Devontae. You know that is. Vince Edwards. You know Vince. Vincent. Uh, Devontae Graham, a point guard from Kansas. So, yeah, that Devontae Graham's quest for that ended against Kentucky. It did. I I forget he's on the, like I I literally forget he's on the court half of the time. That's he's not a good, out there. It's not a good sign. I only notice it when he bitches about our call. That's when I notice he's out there. <laughs> so the guy I think it's probably obvious at this point, but the guy on this list is probably from the senior category. That's the best uh, prospect is Grayson Allen, and you know I think that in the league he's going to be relied on more of as a shooter than this kind of playmaker driving guard. I don't think he. His NBA skill, I don't think, is driving or making being a playmaker. I think it's you know hitting shots and coming off screens and you know being a kind of a pick and pop type of uh, shooter. But um, you know that's an NBA skill. It's I have nothing to nothing to say about Grayson Allen. Okay, moving on to our next topic in the <laughs> in the college corner. Uh, we're uh, going to take a look at another list here. We just went list happy this week. Um, so the, this list is the power rankings that the ringer put out of the best college basketball team. So they have 12 teams in their college basketball power rankings. And we'll start at number 12. Number 12 is West Virginia, uh, Mountain Mama. And I'm just going to go through the whole list here, Rav, and then we can kind of just get our, our broad thoughts here. So 12 is West Virginia. 11 is North Carolina. 
10 is Cincinnati, 9 is Florida, 8 is Kentucky, 7 is USC, 6 is Wichita State, 5 is Kansas, 4 is Villanova, 3 is Arizona, 2 is Michigan State, and 1 is Duke. So what are your what are your thoughts on those power on that list of uh power college basketball teams there? Um the top two are the easy ones. I'm not yeah. sure Kansas is a top five team. Um I could not tell you one person that plays for Cincinnati. I can't either. They even make a comment that they said Mick Cronin's offensive philosophy is just figure out which guys can go for forty tonight and go with it. That's what Old Miss does. It's the same thing, except his team plays defense. Um, Wichita State looked like shit tonight for about 18 minutes, and then they figured it out and ended up winning by 10. Um, mm-hmm. I really like um, – I can't remember the guy's name now. I'm going to call him Lamont. I don't know his name. He Landry like four threes. Landry yeah, that guy. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Greg Marshall finds these guys like in a marsh on a boat, and they can just come in and hit threes. Him and Clay Anthony early. Um Florida is interesting. I really like their, I really like their coach. Um, their roster is fun. They have a senior point guard. They got. Have you seen this guy? Is it Igor uh, guy? The the kid from Rice. Yeah, he was like the player of the week in the SEC last week. I did not know that, but I, yeah, I knew yeah. that they got a transfer from Rice. Nah, he's smooth with the ball. Um, I really like Mike White. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a. I think he'll. I don't think he'll be at Florida. I think as soon as a blue blood job opens up, he's gone. Cats. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't that be funny? Um, the list makes sense, but you know how these these teams or these lists always are at the beginning of the year. It's always fun to try to find a team that falls out mm-hmm. and you never hear from them again. Um, I think the obvious choice is USC, just because they've never been there before. Um, Andy Einfield's trying to get the Dunk City thing going at USC, and it's taken him a while to get going, and he's finally got some athletes and some guards and some bigs and kind of play that up-tempo style that he had at Florida Gulf Coast. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just hard to say. I think Arizona is another candidate to just fall off the map just because they got so much going on over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like at any, any point in time we could find out something and they lose their coach and next thing you know they're 500. The one team that I don't know is going to be there at the end of the year is North Carolina. Oh yeah, I think they got a lot of question marks. Not really sold on them. Uh, I have no idea about Cincinnati. I know they've got a. I know they got a good team. They apparently got a transfer from I think Sacred Heart, who averaged twenty three points a game two seasons ago. My the two teams I'm really in love with on this list, I think are are the same as you. Wichita State, love their team. I think they bring back their top eight scores last year. Um, off a 31-win team. They're in a new conference this year. They're in the American, so they're going to get challenged a little bit more in theory. And I'm yep, really so inter- they'll, they'll lose two games at conferences at zero. <laughs> exactly. I'm really interested to see how they handle the better competition, you know, because they have – they go from having zero Final Four Elite Eight contenders in their league to now at least having one in Cincinnati. And they yeah. have, you know, they've got a handful of good teams – UConn's not bad. Yeah, SMU. You know they got a handful of good teams in that league, so I'm really interested to see uh, how they do. I, I like them as a, another sleeper candidate, and then I'm I'm with you on Florida. I think their team is very good, and I think they might win the SEC over Kentucky. I'm not, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm not really so old on Kentucky at this point. You know, I know that they'll get better. Uh, Calipari's teams always do as the year goes on, but I think Florida um, has a great team. I haven't seen them play yet, but I know that they brought back Chioza and the Keybon Allen kid, and I think that mm-hmm. giant, the giant guy who looks like he could rip it, your head off your shoulders, the John Ekbunu kid. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I think they have a good team. I think they could be right there. As, you know, last year, South Carolina from the SEC was the final mm-hmm. four teams, kind of surprisingly. I think maybe this year that team's Florida from the SEC. Yeah. So, um, and then um, I will say that, and you, you said this about Kyle, his teams always get better as the year goes along, but you could say the same thing for Izzo. They're already the second best team in the league or in, mm-hmm. the, in the NCAA. It's just funny how 
for whatever reason, those two teams, those two coaches, they always seem they're like a locomotive. They start going so slow and they pick up steam and you can't really stop them towards the end. It's just kind of funny how they're always like, always like that. Yep. You're right. Well, that's, uh, I think that's it for episode 11 this week, Rav. If, uh, if you don't have anything else, why don't you give them the uh, social media info and then we'll wrap it up. Hey, follow us on Twitter at sideline at side to side pod. It's the number two, um, Look us up on iTunes and Google Play, sideline to sideline, download, rate, comment, like, etc. Um, thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week for episode number 12.